0: everyone. This is Jeanette for our LOA book club call. We're starting a little early, but that's because I wanted to ask Karen a question about whether you've been watching the, um, what's the series called? Uh, The guy, Ty, who's doing the Truth About Cancer series. It's like um, 11 days of interviews and he releases one every day. And they're looking at like alternative ways of approaching cancer treatments. Have you seen anything about this online, Karen? Uh,
2: That is fascinating, and I actually haven't,
0: no. You know, I got the impression that it was getting a lot of publicity. Uh, I think I shared a a thing on my page, and most people said they'd Mm -hmm. seen it, but a couple hadn't. But I kind of, i got to say that what excites me more than anything about this information being this accessible, and, of course, he's got a package where, you know, if you, if you want to buy the recording, you know how they do that with teleseminars. It, it looks like he's got a similar thing. So if you don't listen to it within the 24-hour replay, you can buy the the recording. So you get all the material. But what excites me about how, how – I like how public this information is being, how accessible alternatives are being made to the mainstream public. You know, this isn't mm-hmm. just something that's being advertised in, you know, just small spiritual circles, this one seems to be getting a lot, and I could be wrong, but that's the impression I got, and I remember my dad had gone to a channeler, oh, I want to say maybe two years ago, and she had said to him something along the lines that we would soon see the end of all disease, she had a couple of other predictions as well, but one of the things she said was the end of all disease, that boggled my mind, I of the entire hour of things that she shared, that one stuck with me. And the, I thought about that the other day as I was listening to this when these guys were sharing because he interviews a wide variety of experts in the field, and um, and I thought this is a step on that path. <laughs> this is part of how it's happening.
2: <laughs> that, is, that is fascinating. That is fascinating. Well, I know the first thing that jumped to my mind when you said that was the the genome project. Yeah. And um, the the TED talks. I, I've heard a few TED talks about. Um. As aspects of um, understanding disease and and medicine that are that are profoundly changing because of this that that there are there are mm-hmm. ways in which it will be possible to 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 predict to predict disease to make to to make changes in genetic factors to avoid disease and and that i mean one of them was saying that wow. basically the the it, it, it was reasonable to expect in the next couple of decades the the end to kind of general wow. medicine medicine that you kind of you you blanket treat in an area and hope and and hope it works that 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 a kind of extremely specific treatment of an, of an individual with an individual's factors is is going to be is is not going to be more exotic wow. than than say the smartphone would have been in 1940. That um, is so interesting! Wow, it, it really is. I mean, I mean I had, that when could when be it, our
0: lifetime, Karen,
2: right? It it really could. It really could. I mean, I remember last year driving somewhere and passing a billboard um, that that was uh, sponsored by some some medical organization that said the first you know the first person to live 150 years has already been born. Um. I mean the, the the rate at which change is happening in those in those areas is is just mm-hmm. that what 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 the person told told your father actually really does kind of have the ring of truth.
0: You know, yeah, and when I heard it, I thought that it would be nice. I mean, it felt like because she had she was saying like short term, like within a couple of years, and I was like, wow. Well, I know, right? That was exactly me. I was like, "Ah, it'd be nice if you were right." It's hard to kind of imagine, and if it's hard to imagine, you know, it's hard to manifest. <laughs> so, yes, uh, that is. But that I'm is starting to see it. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, things really, Super things exciting. really are changing. They really are changing.
0: Um, and, and I will,
2: I will go looking for that, that, that series of cancer talks. That's
0: well, I will, I will stick a link in our chat room right now, because um, I've got the, I've got the fourth video. He's got him on YouTube, but he does. He pulls them down every day, um, but Episode mm. 4 is up there right now. I missed Episode 3, but I think that might have been good because it was all about something like the 12 things that can kill you or the, the things oh, you've got to look yeah. out for. And I was like, oh, maybe that's why I missed that one. But I have learned – I've either learned or been inspired by everyone that I've watched, and I'm only halfway through Episode 4, and there have been several times where I've paused and listened to it again because I heard something that I liked so much. In fact – One of them. One of them. He just said, "Um, what did he just say?" Oh, great! I need to take notes because I'm not remembering the stuff. I'm actually. I never buy the packages, and I'm thinking about buying this one, not because I have cancer, or anyone that I'm coaching has cancer, but it just seems like it can be such a thorny subject, and I keep getting this weird message lately, where it's come through in. It's come through in quotes. It's come through in dreams. It came through a little exercise I did to get a message from my body where it said, don't wait until you need it. Don't wait until you need it. In fact, Nancy, haven't we talked about that before, about like doing your vibrational work before the crisis hits, Like how helpful it is to do it in advance? So you've got a good foundation before something – well, if you've got a good foundation, it's easier. Less things go wrong, and it's easier to manage the things that do happen, right? Absolutely. You get a running start. I don't know. I have no idea why this is on my radar so much, but that video series, the 60 Minutes episode they did last week on that cancer treatment, they're they're, they're treating a specific type of brain cancer and it works on others with um, an altered polio virus. Uh And then this book, I've had Kelly Turner, how long has she been on my shelf, Nancy, for months, this Radical Remission book. And the other day, uh, maybe about a week ago, I guess, I was like, yeah, I'm going to read that now. Like the ins- it just it lit up for me for some reason where mm-hmm. it has just been one of those books I'm going to get to eventually. So like on a wide and I've kind of wondered, okay, <laughs> why is all this cancer stuff? Maybe it's just law of attraction. You know, you get it in one area and you get it in, it in all of them. But I'm really enjoying what I've what I've been studying lately. Nancy, have you seen or Guillaume? Have you seen the uh, the truth about cancer video series that I mentioned? No, I've, no.
1: I have not think I've no, seen I that have. one. Well, I think I may have
0: heard of it. Hmm. I haven't. You had you haven't, either, Nancy.
3: No, but I did share. Remember the um, the NPR thing? I think you commented on GVU. Uh, the medical professor from Dartmouth saying that, you know, a lot of there are cancers we can get and live with. Yes. for many oh, years, and totally to not be affected by them. <laughs> I was yeah, yeah well, that was the like birds and the turtles and the what was it mm-hmm. yeah, 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 they yeah, they yeah, he was talking about the there's three different types of cancer, one that Rabbit. you can. One that you can rein in really easy. One that you don't even have to worry about because it's not going anywhere. He's not going those are, anywhere. Those are the turtles. And then there's the birds, which you, you can put every fence known to man around them. The birds are going to get out and they're going to fly because that's what they are. And he said we yeah. should be putting our attention on the people who have that kind of cancer and let everybody else kind of live their life. Well, it's, well yeah,
2: it's, it's a good point. I have a friend who was diagnosed last year with prostate cancer. Um, and apparently, you know, we, we used to really over treat a yeah. lot. Um, and, and, you know, he came home with the, the, the expected panic and upset. And, you know, even if I have this treated, it's going to profoundly affect my life and my ability to be mm-hmm. close to people. And, 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 and basically just said, okay, you know, here's, here's, here's what we're going to do, <laughs> you know, because by the time, by, by the time this cancer, it, that this is this is a cancer that you that people get because they've managed to live to a certain age okay and you know you will outlive this cancer by the time wow. this this cancer grows grows slowly enough that by you know we we could intervene but by the time this cancer would be dangerous you will be 100
0: wow i want and, that doctor and
2: exactly, exactly and, and if i'm going to get cancer i want that kind of cancer but you know if we if we it it is it is true that you know we've got this sort of long and noble medical tradition of treating every every disease like ringing the firehouse bell.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I can't remember who I heard this from. Nancy, maybe it was the article that you shared, but someone was talking about how her mother-in-law hadn't she she didn't see a doctor until she had open sores on her chest. It was breast cancer. Oh, I mean and she wasn't telling anyone. Um, and so by the time she sat in front of her doctor, the doctor looked and said, oh, my God, recoiled when he saw it. He said, nothing we could do. Yeah. Go home. Got three months. And um, so so the person who was telling the story, she was a doctor herself, I believe. And she took her mother-in-law to the no hope doctor. Does this sound familiar to anyone?
3: No, I haven't yeah. heard this.
0: I might have read this in Kelly's book then. It might have been Kelly who did this. I don't know. But they, So she took this. She took her mother-in-law to the no-hope doctor, who's the doctor where uh, all the patients go to when their regular doctors say there's no hope, and, uh, and his track record is ridiculously successful. Like, I'm not sure he's ever lost anyone, right? It's not just like, oh, you got a 50. He has a really, really good track record. Anyway, he sat down with their mother-in-law, and f- up the first examination, he took a look. He says, oh, yeah, we can handle this. Okay, and my dad was reminding me the other day about how that study where they said, the, the number one determining factor for whether you got well or not was if your doctor believed that you would, not whether yes. you, the patient, believed it. It was the doctor's oh.
2: belief.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh,
2: that. Makes it was a in, it was in that was in
0: mind over matter, too. Or yeah, oh. mind over medicine. Mind over medicine mm. talked about that. Mm. Too.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, yeah I, 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 I,
1: mm-hmm.
0: It goes to how important it is that we that we consciously choose. In fact, that's one of the chapters in this book. She so she's studying the. Um, the cases of people who have recovered when they shouldn't have. And some of these pay- people did use conventional treatment along with alternative treatment, but a lot of them just decided to skip the traditional. They, um, In fact, in the video series, they talk about, with some disdain, I will add, they talk about the big three treatments, the cut it out, the burn it out, or the um, poison it, that's, Mm-hmm. and And they talk about how that's the last thing your body needs' exactly. when, cause what you need to support your immune system because nothing's yep. going to nothing's going to fix here if your immune system isn't able to do it and so when you put when you do those three things or even one of those things to the body, you're putting it under tremendous stress, so it compromises its ability to do the only thing that's going to work and so in this book, some of these people they they did They'll like do a surgery, but they skip the when they hear about the side effects or when they hear about how unlikely it is to give them much time. They just choose to skip either the whole thing or the chemotherapy and the radiation. But she said she identified 75, I think it was 75, things that these guys did uh, that she noticed in all of her interviews. And I think she talked with, oh, I don't know, a couple hundred people. I, I don't know how many exactly. But she, through all of her interviews, and she traveled around the world to talk with not just patients, but also healers, she found, I believe it's nine factors that, let me just find that page really quick. And she's got a chapter devoted to each of these things. She said, I heard these again and again and again, in all of, yeah, it's nine. She said, "I I, I identified more than 75 different factors that may hypothetically play a role in radical remission, including physical, emotional, and spiritual factors. However, when I tabulated the frequency of each factor, I saw that nine of those 75 kept coming up again and again in almost every interview. In other words, very few of the people I interviewed mentioned, for example, the 73rd factor, which is taking shark cartilage supplements, but almost every person mentioned doing the same nine things in order to help heal their cancer. And those were radically changing their diet, taking control of their health. That's the one I was thinking, taking control of their health. Rather than just letting a doctor prescribe how it's going to go, They took the reins. So the the medical people were in support of their own plan rather than just going along with what someone else told them to do. Because the doctors almost always said the same thing. Oh, my gosh. In the the video series, the guy talked to one doctor who said – I think it was a video series. I'm getting my stuff mixed up because I'm getting this in so many different directions. But he talked to a a couple of doctors, in fact, who wouldn't – wouldn't take their own treatments, like the stuff they were prescribing to their patients, they wouldn't even do themselves, or they wouldn't let their spouse or children take yep. go through those protocols. was mm-hmm. Oh, like, oh mm-hmm. my oh, gosh. gosh. Do you remember, okay. Jeanette, do you remember me
3: talking about um, I had a neighbor who uh, I came out one day, and she was crying, and I, I said, what's the matter? And she said, well, I just got a diagnosis that my cat has cancer and isn't expected to live past six months. And I looked at her and I said, "Well, you know, for humans, they say that we we get cancer and heal cancer all the time. That our yeah. immune system, we get it and our can we all heal it?" And- yeah, we all have it. We all get it. We all heal it. It just comes and it goes. It's not that big of a deal. I said, how do you know? How do we know that that's not the same thing for your cat? And mm-hmm. she, she kind of blinked and she looked at me and she said, tell me more. And we got talking more about how, you know, it could be a different way. What they ended up deciding to do was not do the chemo, not do any of the other stuff, but to go on, um, the doctor also um, prescribed steroids because I guess if you're on chemo, I don't know, something about steroids. So they gave the cat yeah, steroids for like two huh. days, and the cat stopped eating. So what they did was they pulled back on the steroids. They like they like took, took the pill and quartered it and then would give the cat a quarter like every two days. Within a year, the cat seemed fine the whole time, and at the end of the year they took the cat back to the doctor, and the doctor couldn't find any cancer anywhere. In the cat's body, oh, and here you know, she had she had been previously convinced that she was going to be losing her cat in six months, and I was just kind of saying, "Well, it doesn't have to be that way."
0: Wow. Um. There. In fact, on this fourth interview, I think I don't know if it was a doctor or if it was a healer, but he said something about hope. Is what really matters. Oh, he told the story from Victor Frankl, how Victor Frankl could spot within 24 hours who would live and who would die in the concentration mm. camp, and he did it mm-hmm. by um, who, whoever started smoking their cigarettes, because in the camp it, that was like your currency. So once you were smoking them, it was like burning your money. Like you didn't, you didn't mm. think you were going to make it anymore, and you and sure enough, yeah, like so the the hope factor is um is a is a pretty powerful one, and and what that's actually one reason why I wanted this book. On my library because in my library because i thought if if i ever if i ever need this myself or for a loved one or for a client to help give someone a reason to believe i want to have some really good material at my fingertips and i'll tell you what this book is delivering this book and the video series i'm going to say it's still pretty good con- there's some conventional stuff like i said the the third one i missed was about oh the things you got to watch out for i'm sure it was you know all the poisons and toxins and stuff in the world but um or, or or negative emotions which i'm i totally get that one but this one seems to be more about well here's the rest of the factors the third one is following your intuition the next one is using herbs and supplements then releasing suppressed emotions and in the next one increasing positive emotions then the this would be number 7 is embracing social support the eighth factor deepening your spiritual connection and the ninth one is having strong reasons for living it's a different take on it than um, than the video series so far. Maybe, maybe the future videos are going to cover that. But I'm thinking of Wayne Dyer. I finished watching his PBS special, which I've read Wishes Fulfilled before, but mm-hmm. listening to his PBS show, have you guys seen that one, his Wishes mm-hmm. Fulfilled? It's a couple years old. He was talking about how... Um, you know the doctors and Sam, he's like his his family the his family who loves him would send him things from the internet about how dire his situation was and he, he 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 knew not to take that in and he said what he did was he had like um he super glued into his imagination the reality that he wanted which is i am healthy i am strong and then he put up a do not disturb sign for anyone who would try To to tempt his imagination to go elsewhere, he just put up the do not disturb sign, and he said so. Whenever you know there would be something online or one of his doctors would say something that wasn't in alignment with what he was choosing, he would just he would remember. I've super glued to my imagination. The way he talked about it was pretty inspiring. Um, So you know,
3: I I just want to say, wishes fulfilled was inspired by Neville Goddard's teaching. So I know, okay, but yeah, that's a great that super gluing the no do not disturb. I think that's a great tactic for just general law of attraction whatever it is I that agree. you're creating whether it's health or money or anything else well
0: that that's what so many people complain about like you know they'll they'll be able to do their affirmation oh and Wayne did say something I was like you said that you're so connected with Louise and you said this about affirmations because he was a little dismissive of him when he said an affirmation it, Nancy, he says exactly what you say it's got, to, it's got to translate into the feeling or the – I don't think he used the word vibration. But he was a little dismissive of affirmations. But I know to, to, to the point of what you just said, Nancy, a lot of people complain that they can't stick with it, right? That their, their gremlin mind or their fears or their worries have them focusing on what they don't want all the other hours of the day that they're not repeating their affirmation. So to, to imagine it as superglued, that does feel like a way to really make it stick.
3: And some of the affirmations are poorly crafted to begin with. Like I see a lot of people on social media who call, you know, they call themselves affirmation gurus, and they or their law of attraction um, handles, and they're sharing affirmations. But the affirmations are are things like, uh, like for instance, uh, an affirmation about quitting smoking might be something like, "I no longer need cigarettes to feel good about my body." Mm. Well, Mm -hmm. um, that's really not a good affirmation. (laughs) It's a really poorly crafted one because, first of all, it's probably not going to um, emotionally trigger you. It probably doesn't have the emotional trigger words that will work for you. Number two, it's mentioning cigarettes. The Mm -hmm. mind doesn't know know. no. The the mind doesn't see the word no. We're reaffirming
0: cigarettes for ourselves over and over again. Exactly. Exactly. There was
3: one that was all about... um, uh, it was an anti uh, smoking affirmation and yet it w- the whole affirmation was talking about the smell of smoke well for people who are addicted to nicotine the smell of smoke is it, that's part of the addiction you know they smell smoke mm-hmm. and they want to smoke a cigarette you know so um they could have crafted that in a much different way and that affirmation would be so much more powerful so you know, I, I see affirmations getting a bad rap, but there's there's a lot going on behind why they're getting a bad rap. Well,
0: and oh, and I so. and I wanna say in defense of them, the feel well, the the feelings and the thoughts are so closely connected that if you start with an affirmation, call it what you want. We're just learning how to focus our attention. Mm-hmm. And the better we, we are at focusing it, the more the deeper that that uh, the more solid that vibration is for us. So I was like, "Well, Wayne, I'm good friends with Louise. We don't start trashing affirmations."
3: <laughs> so, and, and affirmations really are seeds. So if you start ah, seeds, treasure hunt. <laughs> <laughs> you planned that, didn't you? <laughs> I didn't.
0: I didn't. And I already have seeds, but man, you'd be—I'd be woohooing all over the place if I didn't already have it. Oh,
3: okay. But really, it is—it's planting a seed, and if you start initially planting the general seeds, and then work your way toward planting the finer seeds, that can work too.
2: Agreed. Actually, what I was thinking is that the if the affirmation that you that you mentioned for smoking, Mm -hmm. um, is actually what it is. What it is good for is a first cut. Um, Speaking is—I don't
3: have you ever smoked? No, I never have. I, I had a dad who smoked it fifteen answer.
2: years ago. Um, but what I did at the time was to do it very, very slowly. And so what that sounds like to me, I mean and, and I'm not saying it was presented that way, but the the idea of a slow change in that particular area actually does resonate with me.
3: I got the you. idea that
2: you begin with one that still fully acknowledges longing. And you, then you go to another one that's one step further away.
3: Bridge. Yeah, you bridge And then you go to bridge. another
2: one that's one step further away. And I do think that for some people, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily what this person had in mind, but I think that for some people that actually...
3: Who is speaking? Um, I'm sorry, who, who this
0: is this? Is Karen. This is Karen. Oh, okay. Karen, I want to say oh, to your please. point that... Um, I have had affirmations, too, that shouldn't have felt good to me because they included the word no or something like that, Mm
3: -hmm. and yet they
0: did. Like, Nancy, this goes back to, you know, what we say all the time, how we've got to, this is so personal, so individual, because what feels good to one may not feel good to another, but I I know there have been some that were kind of breaking the affirmation-making rules, and yet it's where I got juice. That's where I got juice. And, and juice. you might have gotten juice initially, and, you know, to Karen's
3: point, if it yeah. gets you started, yeah. good. But a lot of people stop there because it loses its juice, and then well, they blame the affirmation, and then they 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 don't go any further. And
0: I can't even remember what the one was that I used to know. I was like, this shouldn't work. <laughs> but I don't remember what it was because <laughs> it must have evolved. So I don't – maybe I'll remember later. Good point, Karen. Well, we're hey, the thing um, of alchemy anyway? There was something in this. There was something in this book that I liked that I have not heard a lot of before. I know a lot of patients who are using vi- cancer patients who are using visualization to facilitate their healing are encouraged to do something like you know uh, imagining their killer cells or their immune system attacking the cancer, and they and they often talk about how they're in battle with it and they're fighting it and they're going to be victorious, you know, like it's a it's a you yeah. or it kind of uh-huh. situation. And here's mm-hmm. a guy. Shin, is this a guy? Oh, he uh, – this? Uh, I can't remember his story. So he says, um, he, in addition to giving fresh air – oh, this guy was amazing. He was a Japanese executive, and, you know, the culture is notorious for overworking. He did it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my word. Like, I can't even imagine how he was still standing after all the years that he, of his work schedule. But eventually – oh, my gosh, and also in Japan – They have a practice where they tell everyone but the patient that they have cancer so his wife and the rest of his family knew it but no one told him Uh, and they 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 told him his they were giving him chemotherapy and they told him it was something else he said he eventually figured it out but but one day oh my gosh he had this he had this an impulse this is following his intuition to go out on the roof and and get some fresh air because in the hospital he wasn't getting any so he went out on the roof and when the staff found him they thought he was Trying to jump off to go commit suicide, (laughs) and the doctor got so concerned because he's a high-profile patient that he signed him out of the hospital because he didn't want him to kill himself on his watch; it would tarnish his reputation. So he ended up at home. Um, You know, he hadn't finished his whole everything they were going to do, and and so one of the things he did at home was he woke up with the sun every day, and um, oh, he just he tells a wonderful story about why he believes he was intuitively guided to do that, and it had to do with oxygen, but Mm -hmm. he. This is what I loved. He says, "When I returned to my home, I tried to find the reason why I was suffering from cancer and I realized I create I, mean, I might get emotional reading this. I created this cancer myself. I created it because I worked so hard and I didn't sleep. I created it." So I thought that cancer was my child and I sent love to my cancer and pain decreased and I could sleep fine. The next morning when I got up, my mind, my head, my brain was so clear that I didn't use any painkillers. So I stopped using painkillers, and instead of that, when I had pain, I said, oh, thank you very much for saying you were hurting. I love you, my child. Uh, He says, I touched this, and he points to his kidney and said to my cancer, I love you. I love you. I love you. Does this remind you of Um, Ho'oponopono? And the pain decreased. That's why I sent love to my cancer always, from morning till night. Unconditional love. That's unconditional love. I said to it, thank you very much for existing uh he said that just as one would care for a sick, neglected child, he viewed his cancer in a loving, almost apologetic way, mentally sending love to it multiple times a day. There were a couple people who have told stories about how they embraced it. In fact, one healer said that's actually critical that you because if you are resisting it you you are not going to win this this game, yeah, so that really resonates for me I, Me I too. That, that approach I can really
3: get behind, and, um, and another thing I think, too, is how you respond to the sensations in your body. Like, you might have a twinge or a pain, and some people might immediately go to, oh, my God, am I sick, or do I have cancer, or is there a problem, whereas if you respond with love, you know, feeling, mm-hmm. feeling the feeling of the pain and then, and then responding with love, the pain often dissipates and goes away. Um oh, actually,
2: know, simple I, attention okay. does that too. What's um, that, Karen? Simple attention.
3: Oh, yeah.
2: In, in sort of the mindfulness area, I don't know if you've ever heard the the there's there's actually sort of a a line in neurology that the difference between pain and other sensation is is a matter of intensity or a matter of frequency, mm-hmm. and and it's one reason that you can frequently kind of think a cramp apart, that, if you, that, that that as you focus attention,
3: mm-hmm.
2: it tends, and I'm not saying that it works all the time, but it tends to dissolve, it, it tends to
0: become more diffuse mm-hmm. under the focus of attention. Yeah. This idea of thinking a cramp apart is a new one for me, but I really like it.
2: No, If you Talked think about, about it. the way that yoga, that that people who practice yoga and people who practice sort of meditation and body control learn learn to be aware of different different muscles, or learn to be aware of different sensations in their body. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the thing the thing that makes the thing that pain is is a signal to your brain.
3: yeah, yeah. and. And I know when I was practicing Vipassana a couple summers ago, I would sit there and I'd get an like an itch, like, oh, my God, if I don't scratch that itch, I'm going to go out of my mind. But I would practice just giving it my attention and then going back to breathing. And every single time it would just disappear. And then it would yeah. show up somewhere else in my body. And I'd think, oh, my God, I've got to scratch that. And i think, no, I'm just going to breathe and notice it. And, and each time it would just disappear. And when you start to do it, it starts to become like a game where you realize mm-hmm. everything's temporary and nothing has to affect you if you decide it's not going to affect you. Yeah, That's and,
2: exactly where, where I started doing it, too, with itching. Mm-hmm. When I had a terrible, terrible rash and scratching it was going to damage it. Mm-hmm. And I needed to find a way to cope with, and and I read I read this about focusing, and it it does it'll just dismantle it.
3: I've heard Abe Abe says this on the Law of Attraction five CD set, um, and the same thing that if if you just give it your attention instead of resisting it, and making it mean something. Put your mm-hmm. full attention on it; it will it will dissipate. And I've recommended that to clients who've who've hired me because they had chronic pain, and and it does work. They've called me back and said, "My God, I I didn't realize it could go away that quick."
0: You know, there's it's funny you guys are talking about vipassana. Is that how you pronounce it?
3: Vipassana.
0: Vipassana, because in the chapter on releasing pent up emotions. Um, one of the methods that one of these patients used was that meditation, and he'd never done it before, and he found it almost excruciating to sit on, because he went to a retreat where they did mm-hmm. this for like I don't know, ten or twelve mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. and uh, he and those itches, those little itches, they were driving him crazy, and and he would have to like, he would scratch one now and again, but he said like by day three, by day four it was, he was starting to have a different experience of it. Oh, and he was sitting there with this tremendous rage, like tremendous rage, and some, something would itch, but you're not supposed to itch it. But then he says, like on day five, he, um, he instead of having little itches, instead of having rage, he became conscious of these um, rivers, he called it like ribbons that went through his body, rivers that traveled through his body. It sounded to me kind of like meridians or something, but but each one ended in like a pleasure center. Anyway, he's talking. He's describing this experience. He's like, it, and it only lasted for three or four seconds. But it was so amazing that he he couldn't wait to experience it again. And then Ooh. he became grasping to experience it again. And his meditation teacher taught him, yeah, that's. It doesn't work that way. <laughs>
3: surprise. Yeah,
0: surprise. Yes. Did, you, did you ever see, probably not, the documentary
3: that I posted? I posted two documentaries at GVU quite a while ago about Vipassana, and they were based on um, bringing Vipassana into jails to to help inmates. I mean, if they're going to be in there, they're going to be warehoused in there. They might as well, you know, go through the Vipassana and and go through the emotions and the feelings and these guys a lot of them had never felt the emotion of what they had done to them their own life or to their family's life by committing crimes or and some of them their children had died or, or crimes had been committed against family members while they were in jail and so this was the first time that they were allowed to experience those feelings and they couldn't run from them but it was transformational you see the the eyes of these men wow. after the 10 days of, so Vipassana is um, 10 days 10 hours a day of meditating, it's broken up you know throughout the day but basically that's all you do is you come and you sit and and you sit quiet and you meditate and um Anyway, uh, at the end, these men were absolutely transformed. Several of them were able to be moved out of the high-security prison into low-security prisons. All of them were meditators for life after that experience. They were Mm. committed to meditating. Um, It it was amazingly transformational. And then uh, Oprah had a follow-up with a couple of the guys who actually had been released from prison, and, you know, we're back in the real world, and they were talking about how this meditation practice was the thing that kept them sane. And on days when they it, they could have gone into rages or they could have felt angry, instead they would come home and they would sit and meditate for an hour. And that would help them process their emotions. And, you know, when you hear those kinds of experiences, you think, gosh, every jail in the world ought to have a
0: I just thinking that instead of right, like right, right, yeah. religious things imagine yeah. if they had meditation centers. There. Well, yeah, and I I not heard I've not heard that
2: one but I've heard something similar about talk, you know, a, a a talk therapy program that that worked similarly in terms of bringing people in touch with in in touch with the emotions surrounding their crimes in a way that they've never experienced. That 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 was also transformational. Hmm. And, and it is just I mean, I think think you're right that 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 can be sort of a central lever if the goal of of prison is actually to rehabilitate people. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I'm not sure how well it works without that piece. Uh, agreed, well,
1: right?
3: Well, it, it was inspired. Um, the the Dhamma Brothers was the documentary that happened here in the United States. The prison was in Alabama. There were people that were against it because they felt it was teaching Buddhism, which it does not. It's really just focusing on the breath and feeling the sensations in the body. That's it. But it was inspired by a woman warden in India. She was she was being punished. She had been a police officer in India, and she got in trouble for um, ticketing the prime minister's car because he was double parked. <laughs> and um, so as kind of a punishment, they they made her the warden of the worst prison in India, and I think they have like 10,000 inmates in India. And instead of taking it as an insult, which a lot of people would have, she went in saying, okay, what can I do to make this place better? And in the process of interviewing different people within the prison and outside the prison, she was aware of the corruption going on with the guards and the inmates and some of the drug stuff that was going on and what have you. And someone said to her, you know, one thing that really helped me was Vipassana. And she said, well, what is it? Let's, let's bring it in. And she was the first to bring Vipassana into a prison and the and I think one of the largest groups they had a thousand people meditating at one time. Can you imagine the energy in the room with a wow. thousand people meditating at the same time? Wow, yeah, anyway, it became such um so important to that prison that they now have a regular ongoing vipassana program and she made the guards go through the program first before right they. Because right she on. wanted she wanted number one to clear up the um the corruption with the guards, but she also wanted um the guards to have empathy for what if they're gonna be standing over the inmates while they're doing vipassana, she wanted them to have um compassion. Which I think And that
2: also tends to be actually a a a population with a lot of mental health problems.
3: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: Prison guards. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: Yeah, and the stuff that was going on in that prison would make uh, all of us shocked compared to I mean, we think our prisons are bad. It, yeah. It, you know, I, I
0: know. yeah, I, yeah, I saw, yeah. uh what's the, he was the survivor producer, co-producer or something who ended up in a Mexican prison for uh, killing his wife, which he says he didn't do. But they allowed him a video and he was documenting his story of what his life was like in this Mexican prison. And then I just was watching the story of Mark DeFriest. He was a really good escape artist. Oh, my gosh, his story was kind of sad. Um, But, boy, they showed what it was like in Florida State Prison, which is apparently the worst in the country, and uh, the corruption, the the things that happened there, it it was pretty frightening. I can't imagine what it would be like to be worse than that. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy.
3: I mean, if our tax dollars are paying for people to be in jail, I think that we have the right to say, well, if they're going to be in there, you know, make them go through, make them go through this, because there's nothing like making somebody self-accountable. Like, when you're in, when you're in Vipassana, and you're, it's you feeling the feelings and processing, nobody else can do that for you. You know, it's really, um...
0: yet another, yet another thing on the list of why meditation is so powerful. mm -hmm. I mean, I know you Mm -hmm. gave us a long list of those, Nancy, but, but that, in fact, there's, um, in the, in the chapter on releasing suppressed emotions, there's a doctor who says that cancer is the end result of, I don't know how to pronounce this, A-L-E-X-I-T-H-Y-M-I-A. It looks like Alex, I don't know how to pronounce it. But he said it's, that's not expressing feelings or emotions. He says most cancer patients before suffering from cancer are suffering from this and that causes blood pressure to go down and core body temperature to lower, and this destroys the functioning of the mitochondria, which he says is what contributes to cancer cells. So the the, the ability to feel our feelings um, and to be really effective at that. In fact, they said it's – some people, they even – they said, we're not just talking release your negative emotions, but also your positive ones too, because if you're hanging on to positive ones, that's what nostalgia is called, and it keeps you from, from being present so even though it's way more common especially they were talking for cancer patients to be hanging on to fear cuz they said it starts as soon as you hear the words you have cancer and and so they were talking about how how some of these patients managed it because that that is understandably a pretty scary thing <laughs> considering the uh the culture around this how it's treated and and what it means so yeah the the um now, it's interesting. Is not nostalgia
3: positive memories?
0: Not you know, I gotta say, thoughts? Nancy, if that I I think that one might be worth that one might be worth questioning. Or maybe it's like the same way Wayne Dyer talks about affirmations. You know, that with our own definitions, our own understanding, we might see it differently. I can't say that was one that when I read, but I had never I had never thought about having to release positive emotions. Now, I have heard I have heard
3: in the past many times different people saying that cancer is a disease of anger and attitude i have heard that
0: look someone in here was talking about how depending on where you have it you know and we've heard this before that the different body organs manage Mm -hmm. different emotions so i don't know where anger and fear is that liver and kidney or something i don't know but but i liked the one person who was talking about how you could t- whatever chakra is closest to you know wherever you're experiencing it you want to you want to work on balancing out that chakra and for anyone who's familiar with that i thought that might be an easy way in to start processing whatever sorts of emotions cuz i like this chapter this isn't smart just for anyone who's looking to get healthy but for anyone who's got any sort of kinky vibrations that are keeping them from alignment this stuff could be helpful but when they talked about their tips for, oh, let me just turn to the end of the chapter where she's got action steps. One is cognitive behavioral therapy, where you keep a thought journal. Mm-hmm. Another suggestion was make a list of your emotional moments, take some t- journaling at night. The next one was practicing daily forgiveness, including for yourself. The next was to take a stress management course. Uh, in that, that they that did, they said will include meditation with most courses. And then they said, see, see a healer or a therapist. And then the last suggestion was to try hypnosis or EMDR. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so I got to keep an eye on the clock because I actually have to leave in four minutes for an appointment I have. Four minutes? Yes, I know. Okay. That's why I had to do this call early because I'm not going to be home at our regular time. But you got mm-hmm. we don't have to hang up. and You guys don't have to hang up when I leave. We, we can keep this recording going but uh, uh, overall thumbs up for me on this book i i gotta say i was questioning how i was getting so lit up about all this material that's focused around cancer but i i i did it it is inspiration it is not fear-based it is it feels good i'm enjoying it i have no idea why it's up for me right now but i'm enjoying these studies so it gives you hope i think that i think it's
3: Showing you yeah. that there's, it's not what maybe we've been taught. And now exactly
0: we're... that, Nancy. It's exactly that. It's how. In fact, who, who said something about defying the odds? It was, it was a post we were doing for Pam. Jackie posted for uh, a friend, Pam. Oh maybe? yeah, for Pamster. Yeah.
3: She wants. Yeah. In fact,
0: I thought that's why I even bought this book because the subtitle is "Surviving Cancer Against All Odds." Okay, anything that's against all odds, I'm interested in. <laughs> 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 I want to study it. I don't care if it's Olympic champions or. Uh, business success stories. I want to It doesn't understand. sound like
3: resisting to you.
0: <laughs> resisting the odds. Against the odds. No, it's it's like it's proving them wrong. No, it actually does. It might be my. Well, you're a, you're a, a Sun Uranus conjunct person too. So I was thinking maybe that's it because I just like doing it different. You know. However, everyone else is doing it want to have the freedom to choose otherwise the other and thing this, about
3: uranus conjunct is is the flashes of insight the flashes of ah, you know ah, uh, knowing where other ah, people just don't have that so good point yeah.
0: it's not just so, pushing against yeah have you been reading anything nancy that's really or well tuned
3: into anything? i'm winding down on um on that wonderful book um uh the Dynamic Laws of Prosperity, and I think I'm actually going to start at the beginning and read it again. because really we'll be at enjoy- the same time by then, I bet. <laughs> enjoy it. And um, I reread uh, the Abundance book, and that was good. I, I'm glad that I did that. And then um, I had responded to somebody in the forums. Met, oh, Al- Alexandra, I mentioned that I had read the book, The Seat of the Soul, with my second husband. And as soon as I typed it, I could feel it in my body Read it again. And when I came into this conversation at the top, you know, top of the hour, we were talking about um, uh, how things are changing. And in reading that book, this book was written in the, I think, the big early 90s. It was written, and it was talking about how humans are evolving, and we're evolving from a five-sensory being to a multi-sensory beings. And it's already happening. I mean, I'm reading this and going wait a minute this is this is already happening, but at the time that I first read the book, it was a kind of like a you know pipe dream that we could live in a world where people are starting to acknowledge intuition and um, um knowing that you have within your body and and um and other you know clairvoyance and clairsentience and all that other kind of stuff. And that's already starting to happen. It's already, when you see Google Talks, when Google is inviting people to come talk and it's going out on the web across to the world and they're talking about how it can benefit businesses for their employees to learn how to tap into their intuition, we are mm. we are there. <laughs> right. <laughs> Actually, there you know, I, I have
2: to throw in an even more concrete example. it. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are you familiar with Oliver Sacks, who wrote the man who mistook his wife for a hat? No. No. Oh, he's really interesting. He's he's a neurologist or a neuropsychologist, and I honestly can't remember which. But he he's he's been writing sort of for a popular audience in very interesting ways for years about different neurological conditions that affect human behavior, and usually it's it's sort of weird outliers. And he's now, I think he's in his 80s, and he's, he's British, but he lives in New York. And I, I read an interview with him in the last year, and um, he, he'd he gotten really interested in magnets. Specifically, um, rare earth magnets, the very strong kind, the kind where, you know, if you if you get them too big and you put your hand between them, bad things can happen. Wow. Okay. But, he, um, you know, you, you, can, you can actually do that. Magnets can crush you um, mm-hmm. if they're strong enough magnets but he'd found he he was experimenting because apparently he's got a very bad sense of direction and um he he'd found strong enough magnets that he was putting small ones into his trouser pockets that would pull on um the, the, and and okay I'm embarrassed because I've started this story without ever having checked the facts or ch- checked my memory and I don't remember whether they we reacting to buildings or reacting to the Earth's poles or reacting to what. But he was finding that as he walked around New York, he could feel from the pressure in his pockets which direction he was going. And essentially, what was happening was that he was developing with the magnets. It's not like if he took them out, he'd still have it. But he was developing a sixth sense, a sense that there are animals that have. Wow. You know, echolo- he was basically producing echolocation in his own body, and I just—I—I cool. I, I read that, and it—it just—it just blew my mind. It's like that's an actual—that's an actual other sense. You know, that's a really concrete one,
1: <gasps> and, that, it, and it does. It,
2: wow. It sort, of, it sort of reminds you. That, that that lazy thinking on on the subject of what other senses mean or you know, that of course you know, this is what we've got and this is what we know. Well, you know, that's not quite how people work. <laughs> you know. It is more complicated and it is more <laughs> subtle and and, and 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 yeah, and, and, and you're right that, that intuition is developing a place in culture that it really didn't used to have. We're developing the vocabulary for talking about stuff in a
3: different way. And for mindfulness and meditation, which the conversation wasn't existing 10 years ago. You know, 10 10 years ago, it was the, you know, the granola crowd that was talking about meditation (laughs) and mindfulness. But now it's becoming much more mainstream because business is discovering how it can be effective for employees.
2: Yes, and we're also dealing with a whole range of medical Medical research that that proves in very concrete terms
3: mm-hmm. this
2: benefit, you know, yep. that for for people who are not inclined to believe, you can sort of put point to it and say, look, you know, blood pressure down, this down, this up, this this is, oh, it, it, it's 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 not a joke, it's not a hypothesis, it's it's concrete.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I well, it? I it still it still astounds me when when I run across or hear someone who hasn't heard of these sorts of ideas, who hasn't been exposed to them. Even reading about some of these patients, you know, some of their stories are five years old or so, it, that, mm-hmm. you know, they were being exposed to this for the first time. I thought, how is that possible? <laughs> how, is, mm-hmm. how is that possible? But I guess that's just a reflection of my own prejudice for the circles that I run in, where it seems like everyone knows this stuff.
3: And I heard,
0: I, I have heard a story, and I,
3: I don't know whether it was part of a book or whether it was somebody that mentioned this to me years ago, but there was a friend who had cancer, and her favorite animal was uh, dolphins. And so what um, my friend or whoever was relating the story was saying was that they would have their friend lay down and take them into a guided meditation where dolphins entered her bloodstream and went through and, and ate all the you know so it wasn't fighting i love that it wasn't fighting you know like because i heard somebody else uh they had just seen the kill bill movies and they imagined that the woman in kill bill went through and cleared out all the the cancer in her body too so um but i kind of like the idea of the dolphins because they're kind of more friendly and more loving and (laughs) more playful um it's not exactly resisting well, it as it much is. as it is visualizing, yeah. you know, and and visual- in a
0: way that feels that, that that doesn't conjure up battle feelings that right. might not be like stress, you know, because that's not going to be good hormones for the or I just have to fight harder. I just have to fight harder, you know. You know, like, yeah. with, with this guy, with some of the people that he's been talking with in this video series, he was talking about, or he had several people who were talking about how. Uh, conventional medicine has it all wrong when their goal is to get rid of the tumor. They said the tumor is not the problem. That's like being mad at your dashboard for the check engine light. It's a result of something else, and that's what you want to address. And that's why so many people experience a recurrence, even after they cut it out, even after they've done the big three, it comes back because they didn't get to the source of it. And that's why it's put – stop focusing on the tumors, they say. You want to focus on, on what really matters. So I, I got to say I never really thought of it that way that the tumor isn't the problem at all and that woman who had who had tumors so bad she had open source that guy healed her he he did it he, his I think his primary treatment method was um intravenous vitamin C maybe he did some other stuff too but uh but it th- that's interesting to me that it the goal isn't get rid of this lump because that's not that's not actually where our problem is it's a reflection I'm so glad to hear, hear that. that i'm, I'm so
3: someone. i'm so glad to hear that because yeah it's that's that's fascinating Well, we know that we have video proof of doctors in china being able to um shrink a tumor
0: oh my gosh know. i forgot about that mm-hmm. from from that greg braden video or the uh-huh. video that he shared wow yeah the video he shared and it's like a
3: three-and-a-half, four-minute time period, and basically wow. they're choosing a different reality. They're not judging the tumor as right or wrong. They're True. just choosing a different reality and focusing their attention on a different reality. And because they're surrounding her and focusing their intention, it, it, it entrains the body to make that same choice.
0: I remember them saying that, that part of the key was that we are not trying to get rid of this thing. Right. That doesn't work. It's just like in the affirmation, saying what you don't want Mm mm-hmm yeah well I'm glad that you found um
3: hope and um inspiration in these
0: books yeah inspiration it it does it feels like um it feels like confirmation of what my intuition has said all along because Nancy they opened up the the health enrollment again for the through the end of April so I have to decide again whether to be covered by insurance or not Uh Mm uh-huh and and I and I keep thinking I will never use this for something like I would never I would never go this route. And then I think, well, Jeanette, you don't really know until you're standing in those shoes. But but learning what these guys have to say has really helped confirm for me my own inner impulses that that's not the route to go. And again, I know you never know until you're there. But I like that I'm already my mind is being planted with seeds about what what's possible, what other alternatives are possible. So if ever there was a doctor who was saying it's this or you die, I will know to call bullshit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
3: And you also know that you have the choice which doctor to go to, you know, right. the one
0: that's most likely to give you the answer that you want to hear. That no hope, doctor. I am so, so interested. I, I tried Googling it, and I sure couldn't find anyone who, who – I, it didn't identify a particular doctor. I got to find where I found that reference, whether it was her story or or. Well, it or seems her. like the press. I don't know.
3: There have been a couple of different people who claim to have had uh, um, cancer treatments that were one hundred percent effective, and then the media goes after them and kind of discredits them. So maybe they're trying to protect the identity.
0: Oh yeah, that would yeah that would make sense person so so. well thank you for staying 10 extra minutes Jeanette well that was very cool that they emailed to say hey we're running late um Karen you've got anything that you've been reading lately that or Guillaume what have you guys been studying that you'd like to share about
2: honestly it has not been a reading intensive couple of weeks for me (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I really don't have anything anything that other uh, to contribute other than uh, the stuff that you've been talking about, and well, you did uh, have some well, great actually, stories,
1: yeah. Um, currently, oh sorry.
2: Oh no, no, please, Guillaume.
1: Sorry, thank you. Um, I'm just uh, I'm just carrying my f- uh, photo reading project with my with my um, other friends at on the photo reading forum. I'm photo reading a book called um, Journey Journey to Freedom by John Pridmore. Um, I don't know. So i will just, just photo reading it at I haven't read it yet, but I'm just photo reading it at the moment. So, um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting book at the moment. So, I'm getting some interesting answers. Yeah.
0: You know, having looked at your astrology chart, my friend, yeah, I know, <laughs> I'm I more it. interested than ever in um, in what you're studying because you have strong inclination. It understands why you feel a pull to get back to the university because studying and learning and expanding your mind, it's. it's yeah. Your astrology chart has a lot of emphasis on that, so
1: I was, yeah. I was blown away by it. I was completely blown away by
0: it. <laughs> yeah, it it, ex, it explained a lot, and um, yeah, it was really interesting, really interesting to look at. So, well, all right then. If um, no one has anything else, then I guess look at me. I got to be here for the whole call. <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> Let me see if there's any. What am I reading next? Um, okay, Melanie. Melanie I whoopsie sorry Joe uh Melanie I asked her for a recommendation you know she's she she knows books and she recommended Philip Pullman's The Golden Compass apparently it's a fiction book that was written for children but uh, mm-hmm. she said it's Oh, The Golden Compass. Yes, I've so heard so. of it. There was
3: a movie made of it, but oh. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it.
2: Um, Have you read it, Karen? No, I haven't, but I I I just I'm sorry, I just know I've heard the name. So You've heard
0: the name? Read, Game, oh, do you know it? Oh, I know it? that book.
1: I think I may have seen a movie like it. Is it is it with Daniel Craig in it, the one who played James Bond?
0: Oh wow, that would be cool if it was. I don't. I, I don't. I didn't one. know there was a movie.
1: It was something. Just something compass. I remember watching. Yeah. A um, the um
3: Tom Cruise's wife was in it. Uh, she's no longer his wife. Um, um
1: Katie Holmes. Yeah. Katie, Katie no, Holmes. not
3: Katie. Not Katie Holmes. The one before that. The Nicole? Yeah. Nicole yes, it is that I one. know it. It's
1: Nicole that one. In. It's that one. I've seen it, I've seen it, yeah, that's the one, yeah, I remember. Oh
3: yeah.
1: wow. Was I've it seen a that Christian movie.
0: based? Was it a Christian based movie? I oh it was.
1: not too sure. Um
0: I didn't get that impression I, from reading the reading the reviews yeah. about it. But but this but, is part of my strategy. I'm saving it until I'm actually on a plane because some people know I hate to travel. So this is one of my strategies to make the air travel more tolerable. I'm saving this book for that. But I do have another one that's coming. I hope it's it's supposed to be delivered the day that I leave and I'm hoping it's going to be delivered early. Um it's called it's a book called Letters of Note and it has uh let's see what does it say here. Oh I don't have a summary of it, but it's like famous letters written or co- of correspondence between people over the years. I don't know why I felt inspired to pick it up, but I did, so that one's coming. I don't have a really good like LOA book lined up. I, I'm definitely in the market for one, if anyone knows a, a good one. Oh, I'll say this. Uh, my dad is giving big thumbs up to uh, Gary. I don't know Gary's last name. He channels Joshua, and he posts on my blog uh, – recently um he's got a book i think it's called oh, a perception of reality anyway uh i got a copy and my dad picked it up before i started reading it my dad's i think giving it a thumbs up uh, he hasn't finished it yet but so maybe i do have that one maybe i do have an loa book on the horizon that i can share about next time
2: that could be oh if i can just offer you one piece of advice because yeah i i didn't realize you hate to travel um there is a melatonin product with herbs in it called Dream Water mm-hmm. that comes in little little bottles. That is so good for sleeping on planes. Hmm. It doesn't leave you dopey afterwards. But if you're trying, if you're doing a long flight and you're trying to get some sleep on it, I find it really helpful.
0: That could be handy on the on the trip home because we've got a red eye on the way oh. home. I did not book my travel. I will add. Uh, uh-huh. So, yeah, that might come in handy. Tell me again what it's called. It's a melatonin product.
1: Dream yeah, it's Water. It's called
0: Dream Water. Dream Water. All right, I'm going to type it's, it, it, it got in. It's some other uh, assortment
2: of herbs in it. I, I find it doesn't ever give me a hangover feeling, and it just it makes it easier to fall asleep and stay asleep on a plane.
3: Oh, thanks yeah. for that. How long does, does it keep That's you asleep? Like, is it something if you want to sleep for eight hours, or is it just for two or four? Or? Um, I I
2: do not recall what they recommend. Um, I it's it's not a super it's not something that's going to sort of put you down like a horse tranquilizer. If you're not, <laughs> if you know, if you're not tired at all, um, you may it, you know, it, it's not going to make you sleep. But I I think, I I think I I feel like it's out of my system in six
0: hours without a problem. Well, that would be perfect. Well, I hope it works. All right, I gotta go. You guys have a fabulous weekend. Thanks for joining in for the call. Okay, you take, take, care. take care. All right, bye Bye-bye. everyone. Bye-bye.